Y'all need to know that song. Just letting y'all know. We're going to sing that song soon. It's a good one. Uh, glad y'all are here on this getting towards spring day. So I thought it was going to be really sunny, but I'm glad that it feels nice and comfortable with the temperature. So thank you, Jesus, for that. So today is First Sunday Meal. If you have not made plans to stay, change your plans. If you didn't bring food, that's all right. That's totally okay, because I'm sure there's plenty over there. I don't even know what's over there, but uh, but I'm sure there's enough for all of us to have something. So come over and, and stay and fellowship. Next Sunday is fall, no, bless my heart, spring forward. <laughs> Next week is spring forward. You will get a call about that, just as a reminder that um, you have to set your clocks up and you will need to be at church on time. So again, you will get a call, <laughs> no worries. The, I believe it's the 16th, but it is the third Wednesday of this month is our blanket club. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be over in the fellowship hall. If you, started a, if you started a blanket last time, or if you finished a blanket, bring more things and, and help us out. So we would love to fellowship with you we're going to be over there in in our class but if you want to come over and hear the word come over to brother mike's class in the sanctuary but we want to have a lot of blankets to donate to the uh, crisis pregnancy center if you have bought all your items for the month of february the item for march is a toy of some sort so it needs to be able to fit into a shoebox. so whatever size that might be but uh, it, it does need to any kind any any type of toy you would like so keep those things in mind any other announcements uh, Easter's coming up very soon uh, about six weeks from now Easter so y'all be inviting people because we there are some people who will come just for special occasions and Easter of course is very very special so make sure that you are inviting people to be at church then um, any other announcements and we will let you know for the past three weeks and I, I mentioned it ever so slightly uh, a few weeks ago but for the past three weeks I have been on jury duty and it was an interesting experience it was the, my, my first time ever being on jury duty I was an alternate so I did not get to deliberate but I, I told Shane that when they were at during the process they had taken a couple of days to, to call everybody and during the process they were down to maybe two more alternates and I said Lord uh, I, you know thank you for this little break from work but if if you think that I would be good for this case for any reason, you you let them call my name. But if not, then can we just this process get to going so that I can get back to everything normal? And they, <laughs> the lady pulled out the piece of paper, Jennifer Williams. So said, so <laughs> Lord, all right. Uh, I, there are different things that I can bring about that that possibly would have me excused from this. But Lord, if you you see and you know, and whatever whatever your will is. So as they were interviewing me for this, and the different things came up, and and they said this juror is approved. And again, I was not I did not get to deliberate at all. But through this three week process, I know that I was praying 
for everyone who was in there to have wisdom and that the Lord would give them direction and instruction. And I was praying for those that I was hearing testimony from because they were in situations that were very unlike anything that I had ever been part of. And there were people that I met who were, that I was able to hear the stories that they were, of, of things going on in their lives, and I was able to pray for them. So the point that I'm trying to make is that we don't know why we're put in situations. Because I was not able to deliberate, so me being a juror as such was not necessarily important to the process. But there are things that you do. There are places that you are. There are situations that the Lord allows you to be put in that you can be a prayer warrior, that you can be a witness, that you can work in those situations that, that no one ever may know and see and understand what you're doing, but you're there for a reason, and God has you there. Amen. Let's sing this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to have His will in the service. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you. God, we're thankful that you have given us a purpose. God, we're thankful that you guide and direct our steps. Lord, that you give us a place to go, that you open up doors of opportunity for us. And, and Lord, when we're in the midst of it, we may not understand why we're there. God, we may be in a situation even right now that we're wondering, God, why am I even here? But we understand that you have a purpose for each place you take us. God, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see and understand how vital we are to be the church in every place we go. God, I just pray that you would have your will and your way in each life. God, there is no one who is here by accident, but you see and you know, and you, you woke us all up this morning. You brought us into your house. God, I thank you that you gave us the strength to be here, and I just pray that you would have your will and your way in each and every life. God, I pray that you would save souls, change lives, bring deliverance, bring healing. God, for everyone who is here, everyone who is watching, we just ask your will to be done. We thank you. We praise you for all that you do and all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Say he can move my mountains my god is mighty to save he is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, and fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I 
could ever come close nothing can compare your Shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come, flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. 
up our voices to praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Let everything that have breath praise you the Lord. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Amen, amen. It's all right to praise the Lord for His goodness and His blessing. I believe that we are living in the last day, folks. 
I, I know that one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day with our Lord. So sometimes we think that things may happen in this moment, and it may be a year. It may be three years, but I'm telling you folks, we're living in the last day. We're living in the time when things are going to change to such a way that you wouldn't imagine. And the Lord is going to rapture his ready church. Whew. Praise God. Who's going to go? Those that are ready. He's going to rapture his ready church. We're going to be with him about seven years enjoying a marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he's coming back. And every eye shall behold him. Hallelujah. And every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. I love him for his blessings, don't you? I thank him for this opportunity to be in his house and to have breath of life. And uh, I, there's been times that, you know, you feel like that might just soon be on uh, with him now. Uh, but then sometimes you think, well, we'll wait around. I believe we might be, all of us may very well be here at his coming or at, at the rapture because it's, uh, it's near. I believe that we can feel it in the air. Do you thank him for his goodness today? Anybody brag on the Lord for all of his goodness, his blessings to you? Has he done something special for you? And you'll brag about it. Amen. Praise God. Oh, Lord, yes. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, he's good. Praise God. Amen. Would you praise the Lord next? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise his wonderful name. He's good, isn't he? Yes, Sister Julie. Thank you for your help, Lord. Amen. Thank you for your help, Lord. I tell you, when you're by yourself, you need the Lord right there, don't you? Amen. Sister Powell, are you getting ready to brag on Jesus? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I don't know which preacher it was this morning that said somewhat the same, sister, that you're saying there, that for our hearts to be calm and don't get anxious, God is still in control. Amen, 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 amen.
you all. It's now time to see, to receive prayer requests this morning, spoken requests. Sister Hager. Definitely want to pray for Sister Hager's boys and River. Brother Mike. Brother Mike's family. Sister Robin. Okay. Pray for Robin's husband, Steve. Sister Shuggy. sends the right buyer to Sister Shuggy's brother's house. Brother, brother, go ahead. Definitely pray for that family that Pop Pop spoke of. Sister Julie? Anyone else? Rob, uh, Rhonda? Casey, Cash, and Chandler. Yes. Any, any sister Joyner? Pray for Sister Joyner's special needs and Sister Keller and the family. Continue prayer for them. I have a friend that uh, needs a special touch from the Lord. The Lord knows all about. Pray for them. Anyone else? Yes. 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 Pray for Sister Julie's granddaughter. Complete healing in her body, please. Preacher, did you want to? Praise Any unspoken requests? Raise hands. Then we'll take these to the Lord. Stand with me. I think the preacher has.
was until I started singing. <laughs> but just like Sister Dean said, it's the allergies. Thank you, Jesus, for springtime. But um, with that comes pollen. Yes, amen. So if I start to get scratchy, y'all just uh, bear with me. And br Brother Mike was saying, too, that um, that we, s we say we use lots of church words so when we say Jesus is coming we know what we mean that there will come we understand that to, to mean that there is coming a day very soon that Jesus is going to return to gather up to himself those who are ready and we are going to be with him and Lord help whoever's left amen and that, that bears more discussion and more uh, more talking about. But but we oftentimes we use church language, which is fine. But if you ever don't understand it, please please ask somebody. Please do because for those of us and I've been well my entire life and even before I was born was in church, so I understand what most of all of it. What, what people are meaning by it but some people may not and if you don't then that's okay that's all right we at school we use all sorts of uh, acronyms and things and and you start talking to people about all these random acronyms and they have no clue what any of it means because they're not in the school system so if there are times that you don't understand what these things mean please do ask okay we encourage you to do that find someone either search out the scriptures for yourself or find someone that you trust their uh, their relationship with the Lord. Not just somebody you trust, but some you trust their relationship with the Lord to help you understand any of those things. Just as a side note. So, our last word a couple of weeks ago was about temptation and how to speak to the enemy when we are tempted. We will be tempted in ways that are common to all and the ones that we discussed and this is not an exhaustive list, but there are certain temptations that will come to us all, one being hunger. What are you seeking for satisfaction? It doesn't have to just be a physical hunger, but it could be an emotional, a spiritual, a mental hunger, and we turn to other things for that. The second thing that we will be tempted by is fear. Will we choose to believe what God says about us, or will we choose to believe what the enemy says about us? Will we choose to, to have faith and to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not turn to our own understanding, or will we fail in that area? Will we, will we allow our fear to take over? And the third thing that we're tempted by is pride. What would you sell your soul to gain? What are you willing to give up? in order to pursue your own purpose and your own path, the one that you want and not what God wants for you. So the way to overcome these temptations is through the Word, by knowing it and by speaking it. Today we're going to explore what the writer of Hebrews has to say concerning a few different things. The Old Covenant and the New, the blood of Christ, and the great shaking that is to come. So it's it's possible that this is 
going to be, from, from what I know right this second, this is going to be the last in our series of using our words. So as we come to the end, and we've talked about using the, the word in creation and seeing how God brought something from absolutely nothing. He spoke a word and it was. And we've learned about what God says about us. Using the word, and I, again, I hope that you are using the word on a continual basis to speak to yourself, to encourage yourself. This is who God says that I am. We talked about using the word in relationships. We talked about using the word against the enemy. So today we're going to talk about a better word. In Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18, it says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they had heard, they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So the writer of Hebrews has this habit of showing how Christ is superior to the former order of things. And here the author is reminding the readers of Moses on top of Mount Sinai. Now, we've heard this story, and we talked about it when we were discussing the ten words, that at the very beginning, Moses was called up to the top of Mount Sinai, and the people were told to prepare themselves, to cleanse themselves, and to get prepared to hear the, the words of the Lord. They were told, stay away from the mountain. You have to be a certain length of space from the base of the mountain, and if anyone person or animal was to touch the mountain they would have to be killed because of the holiness that was surrounding the mountain we talked about the fact that there was fire and smoke and and the sound of the trumpet the shofars were blowing and that the voice of God came down to speak to Moses and it shook the mountain and the people were so afraid that they said to Moses do not let us talk to God by ourselves you have to be the one from now on to speak to God on our behalf so we see that the people had heard the words of Yahweh but but they didn't want to have God speak to them directly Moses was their go-between and this is what the writer is speaking of he said, you haven't come to this type of mountain. That was old covenant. That was the old way. That was the old law. But you have something different. And he begins speaking in verse 22. It says, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So he says, in the old covenant, you had to come to this mountain. The people would have gathered around Mount Sinai, and they would have 
They would have seen these things, heard the voice of the Lord, and been afraid. But new covenant believers have come to Mount Zion. The writer here is possibly referring to a spiritual rather than a physical location. Mount Zion typically referred to Jerusalem, the holy city, where Yahweh had chosen to place his name. But in this case, Zion refers to Jerusalem, but figuratively to the church. It means, in this case, in the, in the Greek, this Zion means the church militant, and we think of that military, but fighting the good fight here on earth, or the church triumphant in heaven. So when he's speaking about this, he's saying you are part of a heavenly Zion. You are part of not just one location, because we don't all come to Jerusalem to worship God. Jesus even said, it will not be on, on this mountain anymore. He told the, the woman at the well, you're not going to worship here in Mount Gerizim, and you're not going to be worshiping in Jerusalem, but you will be worshiping in spirit and in truth. So he's saying, you have come to a spiritual place rather than a physical place. You are part of a collective church that is fighting the good fight of faith here, but then will be one day taken to heaven in a triumphant reign. So we have come to the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem. He says that we are among the worshiping angels and that we have become part of the general assembly. Now this term is only used one time in the New Testament. And it means a mass meeting or a universal companionship. He said, you have been brought to this place of universal companionship. The implication of this is the Olympics. Now, the Olympics have existed. And we, we see them. We watch them. I don't know if y'all watched any of, the, any of the Winter Olympics. But the, the Olympics have existed for thousands of years. It, it originally started in Greece. And it began with runners. And throughout this entire chapter, we see, we oftentimes read the very first part of this chapter, wherefore we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And it's talking about an arena. And all the people around are watching as those of us who are here on earth fighting that good fight of faith are, are running a race. We are running a race to achieve and accomplish a common goal. We're not running against each other. The person who gets there first is cheering for the one who's getting there last. So we are part of a universal companionship. Something that I noticed when we were watching the Olympics, we really enjoy that. The half pipe, and do y'all know what that is? Okay, so it's snowboarding. And there's this, there's this big, uh, it's, I don't, it's like a half of a tube. And they, they start out at the top of the mountain, and then they, on their snowboard, they come down, and they flip up, and then they go to the other side and flip up, and they just keep coming up and down, up and down, up and down. And as they're doing this, the people who have already gone are standing at the bottom, and they're cheering for each other. 
And they're not from the same country. They're all competing for the same three medals, but they're all excited and rejoicing together. There were a group of of female, was it the snowboarders on the half pipe or on the, do you remember coming down on the, there was some crazy setup that they had. And and they were coming down and they would go on, on one side of this big hill and they would flip and then they would come down a little like zigzag and come up on the other side and do some flips. And the last girl who was going, she was in contention for one of the top three medals. And the two girls down at the bottom were waiting for her. One was from Australia, one was from New Zealand, and I believe the girl who was going was from Switzerland. And they were waiting to see how well she would do because they were going they were determining which of the medals would go to each person. But instead of being aggravated, oh this girl is doing so good and she's gonna win and she's gonna get the gold medal, they were all rejoicing for each other. And once she finished, those other two girls ran up to her and they they hugged her and piled on top of her and just congratulated her for so for doing so well. And this is what it makes me think of, that we are part of this universal companionship, that when you do well, I am so excited. And when you don't do well, I'm sad for you. I'm upset on your behalf. I'm not upset with you. I am not angry toward you, but I'm upset on your behalf And I find ways to give you encouragement because we are all in this together. So he says that we are part of the church of the firstborn. Now, this phrase, firstborn, is used nine times in the New Testament. Seven of those times have an obvious reference to Christ. So it is possible that this reference also is referring to Christ, that we are members of Christ's church. It is also possible that we are the first fruits of the new covenant, therefore we are members of the church of the first fruits. Either way, we are all one in Christ. He says that our names have been written in heaven and we have been made right before God who is the righteous judge. We have come before Jesus our mediator. Now remember that they had asked Moses to be their mediator before. Moses, you talk to God for us because we can't do it on our own. But here Jesus is the go-between who makes peace and restores friendship. But he is better than Moses because we can come boldly before the throne of God. We are no longer afraid to approach that mountain. We can come into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus. And it says that his blood speaks a better word. It says that the blood of sprinkling, we have come to this blood of sprinkling. Now, when the law had been given to Moses, he sacrificed calves and goats and drained the blood and mixed it with water. And he sprinkled this blood over all the people. 
And he sprinkled this blood over the law. And he sprinkled the blood, law meaning the tablets. He sprinkled the blood over the, the tent, the tabernacle that had been set up. He sprinkled this blood over all the instruments that had been used in the tabernacle, the tables and the altars and the candlesticks. He, he took this blood and he sprinkled it all over everything. Just as a symbol that blood has to be applied in order for forgiveness, in order for consecration, that blood has to be shed in order for a covenant to be sealed. So when that first covenant between God and man came about with the law, Moses used this blood of sprinkling to show God has made a covenant with us, but Jesus established a new covenant by shedding his own blood. And sprinkling that blood over our hearts. The blood of Jesus, like the blood of Abel, speaks. We remember in, in Genesis that the Lord spoke to Cain and he said, Where's your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, Your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. It's crying out for vengeance. That was what Abel's blood did in the very beginning. That his blood cried for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus speaks mercy and forgiveness. He speaks a better word. Then we see in verses 25 through 29. See that ye refuse not him who speaketh. We've just been told that Jesus' blood speaks a better word. And he says... Don't refuse the blood of Jesus. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. He says, do not refuse. This word in the Greek means to decline. By some implications, declining an invitation to a wedding. He said that this blood is calling out to you. This blood is saying you are invited. You are invited just like pastor spoke this morning to a wedding feast. You are invited to this wedding this blood is calling out to you. Come be a part of this universal companionship. Come be part of what we're doing. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Because if those who heard the words of the first covenant did not escape when they refused Yahweh, how much more will we be held responsible when we have been given this word that was made flesh? 
think about that. Those who received the first covenant, they heard the law of Moses. They, they understood what God was speaking to them, what he wanted them to do. They received the Ten Commandments and then further with the, the laws that had been given. They knew what God wanted them to do. But time after time after time, they said, no. Time after time after time, and God would call out to them, and he would say, come back to me. You've strayed far away. You're serving idols. Come back to me. But here the writer says, how much worse for those who have received the word, Christ, the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. How much worse for those who know that Jesus is the only way and they turn away from him and they say no. He says that the voice at Mount Sinai shook the earth. We know that that happened. We're, it was spoken about that the mountain was shaken and the people were afraid. But his voice would one day shake the earth and the heavens. When he shakes the heavens and earth, the things that are shakable will be toppled, agitated, able to be destroyed. Those things that can be shaken will be removed. And then only the unshakable things will remain. He says that we are recipients of a kingdom that is unshakable, immovable. Therefore, we need grace to serve God acceptably, reverence and godly fear. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. Consuming meaning to consume utterly. Not just... A little fire that can be put out, but a consuming fire that everything that it touches is completely consumed. Consuming anger toward those who refuse him, but also consuming passion for those who would receive him. We, we hear this terminology, a God is a consuming fire, and it, it sounds kind of frightening. But when we think about the fact that he consumes our whole lives, that's what he wants to do. He wants to set us on fire. He wants to make us excited about what he's doing. He wants to make us glad to be part of his family, to set us on fire. We have to be acceptable to him. We have to have grace to serve him. We have to have reverence and godly fear because God is a consuming fire. We have read and expounded on the author's thoughts, but how can we understand and apply these things specifically? When we think about the writer of Hebrews, he was speaking to Jewish believers, the Hebrews. He was talking to those people who had grown up knowing the law. He was talking to those people who knew the promises of Yahweh he was talking to people who had studied the Torah, the, those first five books of the Bible, their entire lives. They knew what God's law said. They knew what God had promised. They knew their history. They had been in church all their lives. 
But now the writer is attempting to have them see that their former experience with Yahweh is inferior to what God wants to do. God does not change, but he does have new methods. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he wants to bring us into a new experience with him. He does not want us to stay in the same relationship that we have had. He wants to bring us to a place that we rely on him more, that we know him more, that we love him more, that we are consumed by that all-consuming fire. So imagine how it must have been for those Hebrews who were listening to this, thinking, okay, person who wrote Hebrews, it wasn't Paul, but (laughs) okay, person who wrote Hebrews, I hear what you're saying. And I see how you're showing me that this way is not as good. So how are you going to convince me to step out in faith? To reach out to Jesus? To believe in Him? The same is true of us today. Those of us who have had experience with God previously... God does not change. His word does not change, but because it's alive. Talked about this Wednesday. Because his word is alive, it brings out things within us. It shows us things in ourselves that we begin to say, oh, Lord, I need to change. The closer we get to him, the more we read, the more we see, we think, the way that I was doing it before isn't as good as it could be. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm saved and satisfied. Maybe I'm going to heaven, but I could get closer to him. Maybe what he's revealing to me here is drawing me into a closer relationship with him. So as we finish up the word, what can we learn from this word? Well, number one, we are not alone. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Those in heaven who have gone before us, but all of those of us who are believers, we are in this together. At the, again, at the beginning of this chapter, the writer refers to this great cloud. Those who have gone before us who testify that victory is possible. And then throughout the chapter, he talks about the different people who have gone before Don't be like these people, but do be like these people. He says that we have, through faith in Jesus, approached this spiritual mountain, not alone, not being fearful, but joining in fellowship with other runners of this race, this universal companionship. And the enemy will try to tell you you're alone. The enemy will try to tell you you're the only one who feels this way. You're the only one who's discouraged. You're the only one who is struggling. He will try to tell you this, but it is not true. Through this word we see, you are not alone. We must support each other because we are pressing on toward the same goal. The second thing we learn is that the blood of Jesus speaks. 
what he says is better than any blood that came before him and any blood that will come after him. The blood of Abel cried out from the earth, crying for vengeance against Cain. We see the, the sprinkled blood referred to in that sprinkled blood of animal sacrifice that Moses used to consecrate the people, the tabernacle, the instruments of worship. That blood foretold the ultimate blood sacrifice. That was just a sign. That was just a symbol of what would be coming. That blood could never accomplish what Jesus' blood can. That blood was just a sign that one day there would be a sacrifice once and for all. The old way was okay, but it wasn't as good because time after time after time when we sinned, we had to bring a sacrifice. We had to bring an animal to be slaughtered on the altar. But the new covenant... The new covenant of Jesus, that blood that was shed for our sins, for our deliverance, for our healing, it speaks of the fulfillment of that requirement of the law. It said no more does Jesus have to be sacrificed. He was sacrificed. That was, that was enough. That is how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It speaks something better that it is finished. It is enough. His one sacrifice was once and for all death that was brought about by hatred and jealousy is now overcome by the resurrected king death that was a foreshadow of sinless requirement of the law has been poured out once and for all for those who will accept Christ since salvation through the blood of Jesus is the only way to heaven how can we escape eternal punishment if we reject him calling us his blood speaks the word of grace and forgiveness if we choose to come to him. His blood is the only way. You can live a good life all your life. You can live as righteously as you know how. But without accepting the blood of Jesus. Without receiving that sprinkling of Jesus. We cannot make it to heaven. Without receiving Christ, we have, in essence, rejected Him. We have to receive that sprinkled blood. We have to receive the blood that speaks a better word. The third thing that we see through this is that the word will produce a shaking. The voice of Yahweh shook the ground on Mount Sinai at the time that the law was given. But here, the author quotes a verse from, if you're taking notes, it's Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And this is a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. That at one time that Yahweh had shaken the earth, but he would one day shake the heavens and the earth. And that the glory that came down would fill the temple and it would be more glory than the temple had ever seen before. He was referring to the fact that Jesus was coming. That Jesus was coming in human form. That he would come down and he would be preaching and teaching in the temple. And that the glory of that temple would be greater than the 
glory of Solomon's temple because Jesus was there. And here he says that his word would topple those things in our lives that needed to be removed. So that only what is unshakable would remain. He says there's coming a time the word is going to come down and he's going to shake things. And those things in your life that are being shaken, the word promises that that would happen. If things in your life are being shaken right now, that's just a fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen, what God said would happen. Sometimes we feel like, oh God, why is this happening to me? Why is this and this and this? And we begin to list things. God, why am I hurting? Why am I suffering? Why am I worried? Why am I confused? Jesus said, the Lord said that this would happen. That there would be a shaking. That the word made flesh would begin to shake the heavens and the earth. And the things that were toppled over are things that we need to get rid of. And the things that remain are the things that you need to keep. So ask, what is being shaken up right now? Is your confidence being shaken? Your comfort level being shaken? Your faith being shaken? Your peace of mind? What is it in your heart and in your mind, in your life that is being shaken up? Because if there are things... They're being shaken up, and they fall over, they fall apart, then maybe it's time to re-examine. Think, maybe that needs to be restructured a little. Maybe I should get rid of this. If it's falling apart like this, it needs a different foundation. I need to build this on a firmer foundation if it's falling over. We are not promised a life that is free from shaking. In fact, just the opposite. He said that shaking in the Greek meaning agitation, disturbance, and destruction. That those things are guaranteed. But he says also that we are receiving with certainty a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So when you get through all this, when you get through the issues that you're going through, re-examine what has remained. Has my faith in Jesus remained? Has my peace remained? The peace that passes understanding. Not peace like the world gives. Has my joy remained? If not, it needs to be restructured. So again, as we as we come to the end of these messages about using our words, I hope that we have learned and applied these truths that throughout the weeks we've talked about. Hear the word of the Lord concerning you today. You are not alone because we're in this together. That Jesus' blood is speaking fulfillment, forgiveness, and freedom. And that God's word is going to shake us that which is shakable needs to be done away with and we need to strengthen what remains as the 
music plays, just praying that the Lord would would help us. That he would help us to hear and receive his words for ourselves to accept what he's saying to us. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for who and what you are. God, you are so good. And we thank you that your word has spoken to us time after time after time. Father, I thank you that your word is alive. That your word is alive and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That it can pierce through our thoughts and our intentions. It can pierce through between the joints and the marrow. God, you see us. And we ask you now that your word would do that. That your word would reach into our hearts. God, that your word would sink deep. And help us to not be shaken. God, that those things that that come against us, that would shake our foundations. God, that you would keep us strong in our faith. That you would keep us strong in our joy. God, that you would keep us strong in peace. And Father, those things that, that have fallen, I pray that you would give us the strength to rebuild on your foundation. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for those times that we've been all about ourselves because we are in this together. Father, I pray for those who have felt discouragement thinking they were all alone. Father, listening to the enemy's lies that, that try to isolate and try to get us by ourselves and say no one else understands, but God, I pray that we would reach out to those and bring them into this universal companionship to say, yes, I'm rooting for you. We're in this together. I pray that you would make a change in our hearts, that we would be supportive one of another. Father, I pray that each person here would receive the blood of Jesus right now. God, if there is anyone who is here or anyone who is watching, who has either never received the blood of Jesus applied to their hearts or it's been a while. Father, I pray right now that you would begin to work on hearts. God, and even if they're just watching from their living room, I, I pray that they would receive you right now, that they would say, Father, I know I've sinned, and I ask you to apply the blood of Jesus over my sin. God, clean me up. Forgive me. I trust in you for salvation. God, I I pray that if there's anyone who has never done that before or it's been a long time, I pray they do it now because we do not want to reject you, God. Father, your will be done in each of us that we would honor you and please you. And all we stand do, Father, we trust you. We thank you. We pray that we would be able to receive that kingdom that cannot be shaken. And Father, today we say, 
every people.